We shift gear and uh, we're going to have a conversation now uh, with a vet's professor, Prof- Professor Shabi Madi, Professor of Vaccinology and Director of uh, SAMRC Vaccines and Infectious Diseases at the Analytical Research Unit of the University of the Vedvatesrand because uh, uh, the opinion from uh, this professor is that uh, uh, South Africa's latest COVID-19 lockdown puts the spotlight back on the failures of vaccination. Uh, South Africa is in the grip, of course, of another resurgence of COVID-19, the Gauteng province, uh, the country's economic hub, where 25% of the population that live is the epicenter currently. But infection rates are expected to rise in other major provinces as well and to ease pressure on the health system and to slow the rate of transmission. Uh, President President Cyril Ramaphosa recently announced tighter lockdown restrictions. And uh, vets professor, this vets professor argues that uh, the latest COVID-19 lockdown puts the spotlight back on vaccination failures. Uh, professor Madi, good afternoon. Thank you so much. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So how bad do you perceive the situation in South Africa, especially here in Gauteng, where we are? The situation in Gauteng is dire. Uh, We are experiencing what we didn't experience either during the course of the first or second wave. And that includes the large number of people that are being infected over a very short period of time, as well as the amount of pressure that our healthcare facilities are coming under. Unfortunately, some of that could have been prevented, especially in the healthcare facilities, had we ensured that there was adequate planning in place, that we could actually make use of the beds which government spent billions of rands on, specifically to care for COVID-19 patients. And for, it seems that, however, uh, that someone forgot that for, any, for beds to be of any use, you need to have healthcare workers, including doctors and nurses, uh, that can actually manage the patients that are admitted to those sort of facilities. So unfortunately, we are basically suffering because of poor planning, which Mm. has been compounded by the evolution of a variant that is much more transmissible, meaning that many more people are going to be getting it, are getting infected over much shorter periods of time. And Mm. consequently, our facilities are being completely overwhelmed. Yeah. What went wrong, though, uh, uh, Professor Shabi? What went wrong? Well, part of it is beyond our control, and that is the importation of the Delta variant. But at the same time, had we planned for a worst-case scenario, which the models had predicted would occur in South Africa, and when you're planning an emergency, you always do plan for the worst-case scenario, we wouldn't be in this situation. Because had we planned for the worst-case scenario, even with the closing of the NASDAQ facility, we would still have had sufficient number of beds. And we do have sufficient number of beds, but we don't have sufficient number of staff. So what went wrong was simply one of where the people that are responsible didn't actually ensure the adequate number of staff on the ground, boots on the ground, that are actually able to manage the resurgence we're currently experiencing. This is not assisted by us still not having large enough numbers of people that are at high risk of developing severe disease protected against the virus through vaccination. So our dismal performance when it comes to the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine program uh, is something which has unfortunately come back to haunt us. Mm. Uh, right now, we could have had at least close to one and a half million people being protected against the Delta variant, including the Beta variant against severe disease. But we not done the silly, foolish thing on against the WHO recommendation not to actually use the AstraZeneca vaccine, even in a country where the beta variants were circulating. WHO made a recommendation 
round about the end of June, early February. But South Africa, in its wisdom, decided rather than giving people a fighting chance of benefiting from the AstraZeneca vaccine to actually sell it to the African Union to deploy into other countries where the data variant was also circulating. Yeah, but what about, you know, uh, the the logic that some have about AstraZeneca, that at the time we had a variant that AstraZeneca uh, was not able to deal with? Yeah, so the AstraZeneca vaccine is not going to protect against mild to moderate infection due to the beta variant, which is what a study which I led in South Africa showed. Yeah, yeah. It's not the reason why we're vaccinating people any longer. Why we're vaccinating people is to protect against severe disease. And the AstraZeneca vaccine has been shown in animal models to be able to protect against severe disease due to the beta variant, even if it doesn't protect against mild infection. And that's the basis on which the scientific advisory group of experts on immunization that recommend, make recommendations to double recommended that you continue using the AstraZeneca vaccine because the vaccine very likely would still protect against severe disease due to the beta variant. Yeah, but uh, we also know, uh, uh, Professor Shabi, that uh, the National Department of Health is constantly revising its targets. Has this now vaccine program that's uh, currently underway, is it meeting the, the targets that they've currently revised? Well, the numbers speak for itself. The National Department of Health revised targets was that everyone at the age of six or 60 and above could be vaccinated by the end of June. Mm. Uh, June has already passed, and uh, just about one-third of people above the age of 60 have been vaccinated. So I think the numbers speak to itself as to whether the Department of Health has actually met its targets. And what about the socioeconomic challenges that are placed on the table by some who say, look, you're saying people who are 60 plus must register on smartphones that they don't have, uh, you know, for vaccination. Of course, they're not going to be able to. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and it comes as little surprise that the EVDA system is not actually working. And it becomes more as a surprise that government continues pursuing a system which is actually increasing inequity in accessing vaccines. So yes, EVDS was on paper, but it didn't work in many high-income countries. And I'm not too sure why South Africa believed it was going to be so exceptional that it was going to work in South Africa. Mm. Rather than focusing on advocating for people to, be, to come forward to be vaccinated, government has been more focused on getting people to register on EVDS. Mm. So we are bearing a consequence of poor decision-making again. Yeah. In addition to which, there's other issues. As an example, government insists that people who are eligible for vaccination can't make use of, medi- of private facilities unless they're on a medical aid or they're above the age of 80. That actually increases inequity in access to vaccines because in many townships, getting access to a private facility where people can pay 70 rand to be vaccinated is easier than needing to go to a public facility that's demarcated for vaccination. Mm. So by creating this sort of obstacle in ensuring that people can gain access to vaccine as quickly as possible and at their own convenience, rather than at the convenience of some automated system, doesn't assist the country in scaling up its vaccination of the targeted groups. Okay. We have um, a voice note, uh, uh, Professor Shabi. Uh, let's hear that voice note. Perhaps it's a question to you. Government says we must register uh, for those who are 50 years and above but we are not provided with the information or the link where to register at. Total confusion, KJ.
Okay. Um, in fact, I registered uh, this morning. It's uh, The link is, uh, uh, you just go to the Department of Health website uh, and uh, there's a link there for you to register. So if you have access to a smartphone or a, a computer or, you know, whatever uh, technological thing that you have, just go to the Department of Health, the South African Department of Health website. Uh, you'll be able to register there. Uh, let's talk, Dr. Shabir, about this fourth wave. Some are saying there could be a possibility of a fourth wave towards the end of this year. Uh, We know at the end of the year in South Africa, it is summer. uh, And of course, uh, last year projections were made that because uh, uh, it would, it's, you know, in the winter time, we're bound possibly to have a third wave and we find ourselves in the winter time with a third wave. What do you make of those that are saying we possibly could see a a fourth wave towards the end of the year? Yeah, so we we definitely will see another resurgence occur, especially if we don't uh, if we're still so poor with the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines. More so, the timing of the fourth wave is difficult to predict uh, because when we're going when we start imposing higher levels of restriction, it makes things less predictable. It might well be uh, again that we it would differ by province possibly. Uh, what we're experiencing currently, as an example, is that how thing is about four weeks ahead of the curve compared to the Western Cape, Eastern Cape, and KwaZulu-Natal. Now, with the type of restrictions, if we hadn't gone into restrictions, I think I would have agreed that we probably would experience a resurgence as we go into December, when people are again more likely to congregate socially. Uh, But with the restrictions, and as we start loosening the levels of restrictions, it might well be uh, that some places experience a resurgence sooner uh, than uh, December. So again, extremely difficult to predict. It depends on a number of factors. Uh, and then additionally, it can be compounded if there's another variant uh, that starts evolving, which makes things even less predictable. Mm. So unfortunately, not a straightforward answer, but I think the lesson that we've learned uh, up to now is that there's a number of moving parts, which makes it really difficult to predict uh, what would happen moving forward. Yeah. There's another voice note. Uh, uh, here. Let, let's hear what uh, this listener has to say. Afternoon, afternoon, Kitty. What about us in the rural, in the rural, in the rural uh, areas? Where, who, when are we going to be vaccinated? Okay. Uh, the clinics are far away from us. Why can't the government organize mobile clinics? Uh, is that part of uh, the lack of planning, uh, Professor Shabir, uh, the issue of, uh, because a lot of people don't know that South Africa is literally more rural than it is urban? Uh, absolutely. I mean, this shows just complete lack of planning. Uh, again, to emphasize, if you want people to take the vaccine, you need to make it accessible. You do not make it accessible by having a few demarcated clinics where people are expected to travel 40, 50 kilometers uh, before they can get vaccinated. That is not going to work. If you want people to be vaccinated, you make it accessible, so you speak to the needs of the people rather than trying to get the people to speak to what government is able to actually offer in limited facilities. The rural facility is another good example. There are pharmacies in those rural areas, and there's no reason why vaccines shouldn't be available in those pharmacies that are in the rural areas. There are medical doctors, there are general practitioners in those rural areas. So it comes down to planning and what sort of ambition we set ourselves 
and then what strategy we've got in place. Okay. So if, uh, as my last question to you, uh, uh, Prof, if I were to say, if uh, the Department of Health calls you in for advice, uh, be, being where we are uh, and knowing what we currently know uh, about the Delta variant and the possibility of a fourth variant coming in the latter part of the year, what would your advice be to them? Well, the immediate advice, firstly, is that right now, what we're facing in South Africa, we, should even, we shouldn't even consider giving people the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. We need to make sure that we get as many people vaccinated with a single dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Because a single dose of the Pfizer vaccine provides more than 90% protection against being hospitalized due to the Delta variant. The second dose, that goes from 92% to 96%. So in a country where we've got a shortage of vaccine, we've got the shortage of being able to scale up vaccination. It's not about giving people a second dose while we're struggling to vaccinate enough people. It's about ensuring that we vaccinate as many of the high-risk individuals in the shortest period of time with a single dose. And after this resurgence has passed, then we can go about meddling, getting the second dose into the arms of people. For me, that is the most important. And then, again, speaking to what the speaker, what your callers have uh, referred to, make the vaccine more accessible. Revisit the EVDS and what you're trying to achieve and ensure that you're, vac- you're getting vaccines not lying in the depots of South Africa, but into the arms of people. And if need be, get your mobile clinics activated, which we used previously for children, activate those mobile clinics and take the vaccine out to the people. Fantastic. Thank you for your time, uh, Professor Madi. Thank you. Professor Shabir Madi is a professor of vaccinology and the director of the, <clears throat> excuse me, SAMRC Vaccines and Infectious Diseases Analytical Research Unit at the University of uh, the Vedvatis Rand. Uh, we go-